realize I don't have my clicker. I think it's on the front seat over there. Did someone? Thanks. All this time, and I just blew it. Thank you. All right. And it works. It suits a little laser if you want to. Uh, all right. Sorry. Hey, um, just wanted to start off with this question. This is just a short two-week series. We're moving on next week. We're going to start a series called The Tale of Three Kings, about three kings in the Old Testament that we can learn some life lessons about, about really how to find true greatness and significance in life. Um, but just starting off today, I want to ask you this question. Do you want to be happy? So this is a church, so everybody is thinking, this is a trick question. <laughs> no, I don't want to be happy. Like, you're trying to trick me, aren't you? And, and it is true, holiness is better than happiness, and so often people search for and settle for short-term happiness that ultimately winds up in misery because they're not. But, but really, what, what God wants for us, I mean, Jesus said that, that last quote, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The word blessed in the Bible has two synonyms in English, prosper and happiness. It is more prosperous and happy to give than to receive. And anyone who's, who's actually been, at, you know, at a Christmas morning and not just gotten gifts, but maybe bought gifts for your own kids or for your nieces or nephews or for someone else, you understand that what Jesus said almost 2,000 years ago is absolutely true. And so last Sunday was just a fun sermon to preach because we talked about the happiness of less. And, and it, because it's, it's just fun to talk about how can we be happy, and it's the exact opposite direction than from what the world says how we can be happy. We can be happy, actually, with wanting less and keeping less. And, and so one of my applications was to give away a hundred things, right? And uh, my one daughter said there was an audible gasp in the auditorium in one of the services when I said give away a hundred things. And I have to, so one of my hundred things is right here. This is going to Brian Loshbaugh um, because he says construction worksite, you can always use another shop vac. So, um, and I have two. Why do you need two shop vacs, right? So I do have to admit though, I only gave away 43 things or threw away. So I have 57 more to go, all right? So I know some of you are way ahead of me. I did want to say, anyone give away more than, or, or, or throw away more than 100 things? Awesome. Awesome. It took me 10 hours all week to do it. 10 hours, yeah. See, I was planning on doing it on Saturday on a wedding and a funeral yesterday, so I just, how many, did you give away more than 200? Like, was it just 100? Okay. We'll work on it. I'm going to ask in the next service, see who the winner is, you know. But again, simplifying your life because we think more will make us happy, but what more does is makes us more tired and more broke, right? Keeping track of it all and trying to, in fact, a, a friend of mine, Jamie Barton, he used to work with horses professionally. Let me go back to that. Where, where is that? Okay, yeah, this is a great verse. As we talked about this last week, one handful with tranquility, then two handfuls in a, and toil and chasing after the wind. So how do you have tranquility? How do you have peace? You have to let go what's in one of your hands. Right, And that's why we're talking about that. So this is what Jamie said. He worked professionally with horses, and he said, horses eat money and they poop work. <laughs> and, and that really personifies so much of what we have. Ecclesiastes, Solomon says it like this. He says, you know, you know as goods multiply, so do those who, who feast on them. 
you know, and the more you have, the more you have to take care of, and the more you have to pay for, and the more you have to, and, you know, it's, they eat money and poop work. Or that's what our stuff does. And, and so, you know, we want to get beyond that. And so today, last Sunday, the happiness of less, you can watch it online if you missed it. This Sunday is the happiness of more. There is something more we can do with money that will actually make us happy. And in the passage we're looking at, it's, it's using, I just cherry-picked these words out of the verses we're going to read today. That This is what it's talking about. Cheerful, bless, having all you need, abound, endures forever, enlarge the harvest, enriched in every way, thanksgiving. That, that's like, that's a list I want, right? Do you want that in your life, those things? Well, this is the happiness of more that money can bring. But the only way money brings this more is you have to give it away. And when we give away money, we're going to look at three things that that unlocks in our lives and in the lives of others. And the first thing that giving away stuff and money does for us is it gives us more lasting impact and significance in others. And here's what the verse says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Right? Well, we know that, right? You plant a little bit and you'll only get a little crop. You plant a lot, you'll get a big crop. And he's applying this to generosity. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so, so what kind of a harvest do you want to have? What kind of an impact in the lives of others do you want to have? Do you want to have a little impact or do you want to have a big impact? And it's one thing to, to plant a quarter-acre garden, right? You could decide to plant a quarter-acre garden in one day and do it. Now, it wouldn't look like that because that's like somebody's super little hedge thing. That's nice. Um, I don't know how long that took, but you could plant a quarter-acre garden just at a spur-of-a-moment thing, right? But if you want to plant 100 acres, now that's a whole different ballgame. Now you need a plan. Now you need time. Now you need maybe getting other people involved. Now you need to buy equipment. You, you know, there's just so much. This is a full-time job. A quarter-acre, that's a hobby, right? That's a one-person a quarter acre is actually a pretty big, big garden, but, but still, you know, you, you could, you know, every, every night, just a little bit, chip away at it. One person could do it. hundred acres is a whole different story. And, and so when we're talking about what kind of a harvest do you want to have, what kind of a lasting impact do you want to have in the world? And this is talking about eternal impact, right? Some of these verses that, that, that we're reading, you know, um, you know, what kind of a, 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 an impact do you want to have? What kind of a harvest do you want to have? Um, and uh, so here's, here's how, how we do that. Um, and, and thinking about eternal harvest, I, I don't want to have, a, I certainly want to have an impact two years down the road, six years down the road. But, you know, I want to have a lasting impact more than anything. And we have these voter guides out there, you know, about, about governor, about Senate. But, you know, th this is a six-year and a four-year impact, right? Whoever gets elected for that. So much more important than this is, is marking people and impacting people for eternity. And I think this is where our generosity needs to be focused. 
yeah, you can give it toward a political campaign and have maybe a six-year impact if your guy gets in. But, but, but isn't there something more lasting than that? And, and so someone mentioned this to me years ago, and I, I really like it because we talk about at Bridgewater, everybody has the next step. And, and so giving, what is your next step? Uh, all you Kung Fu Panda, um, you know, lovers, uh, there is a step zero. There is a level zero. Level zero is giving something to someone at some point. And I think pretty much everybody is at level zero, at least. You've given away something at some point in your life to someone. And so if you're there and you want to enlarge the harvest of your righteousness is what it's going to talk about. It's a, a harvest of righteousness, not a harvest of fun, money or finances or political power. But if you want to enlarge a harvest of righteousness and have a greater impact, think about what your next step is. And if you just give randomly, maybe your next step is to give regularly. And I have trouble saying that word, regularly. Every time you get paid, like breathing, God, God's designed us physically to breathe in. And then if you don't breathe out, you die, right? Because you can't just keep breathing in. And, and in so many things in our life are like that. So to give, every time you get paid to give something, you might say, well, how much should I give? I don't know. You figure it out, right? This is, and, and, and so that's, I think, the next step. And if you're already doing that, maybe you're already, you're, every time you get paid, you're giving something away, then maybe to challenge you to give proportionately or a certain percentage of your income. And for some, it might be 5%. And so I make more money, I give more. It's a percentage. The Bible gives a standard to give 10%. Now, he doesn't give that standard to Americans. He gives that standard to dirt poor Jewish farmers who had literally dirt floors, no electricity, and no indoor plumbing. And if you think you're worse off and you can't afford to give 10% like they were commanded to give in the Old Testament, that's an interesting observation. Um, we, we all give proportionately. And again, what's your next step? Where, where are you at? If you're here, maybe it's ready to take this step. If you're up here on level zero, you know, I, just take some step. Maybe you're ready to leapfrog and go to two. That's great. But, but, but take some kind of a step. And then number three, give sacrificially. There are some people here who they, give, they, they tithe their, their gas royalty check. There are some people in our church, they give it all away completely. And, and just want to talk about the elephant in the room right now, okay? Um, because a lot of people are cynical. Cynicism is, is when someone says, I see through what you're doing, right? I'm suspicious and I see what's going on. But if you see through everything, what do you actually see? Nothing at all. Yeah. And so, as we're going to talk about money today, um, I, I believe in Bridgewater Church, and I give to Bridgewater. I've already given, as Pastor Josh said, already given toward this special offering as well. This special offering, all of it is going toward Tonkanic, toward starting a new campus, toward training uh, more pastors and ministry workers in, in the future. None of it goes to me, okay? But, but I give to Bridgewater because I believe in what this church's mission is. If you don't believe in this church's mission, or if you know of another organization or another individual who has a greater need, then by all means, give to that. God's word, as we're looking in 2 Corinthians, he's not commanding you to give to Bridgewater. 
but He is commanding you to give. Ecclesiastes, it says, man, one hand and peace and tranquility. Open your other hand. It doesn't say where you, you need to give it to. And so if you're cynical here this morning, I'm just here to tell you that this is, this is really, it, it really is a, a map to happiness. And, and so if you, and, and if you believe in God's word and, and you believe this is, this is, this is his, his truth, and that then you're going to be like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to live. Even if you don't believe this is God's word, I just want to mention this has been a bestseller every single year for centuries now. It, it's, it's the bestseller so much they don't even mention it anymore. Been translated in more languages in the world by far, multiple times, three, four, five, ten times more languages than any other book. It has been tried to be burned and destroyed for thousands of years and it has stood the test of time. And maybe there's some wisdom in it about life, even if you don't believe it's from God. And so to have a lasting impact, here's some things. I, I give 10% of my income at least to this church, but then beyond that, I you know, give to special offerings like this, or I give to CareNet, which is a crisis pregnancy center in this area. I give to, to India. I, I have a sponsored child uh, in Guatemala at, through Food for the Hungry. And, and you know what? It's fun. It, it, it is rewarding to be able to give. And uh, the verses go on. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, we really need to have the attitude, not that I have to give. Like, oh, there, you know, there it goes again. But that you get to give, you know, and it, and it really is a blessing. <clears throat> and here's what it says about when you give. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. All right? That's a great promise. Here's what it's not promising. There's something called the prosperity gospel, okay? And it, has, it goes like this. You give God $10. You give this church $10. God will give you 100 do you want that house? Do you want that nice house? Well, then you need to give to the house of God. And, amen, and he will give you that house. I'm telling you, you want that car? That car is yours, but you got to get in the driver's seat with God and give to him first. Do I hear an amen? amen. Don't amen that. That's not true. It's not what it's talking about. Here's what it's talking about. He says, God is able to bless you abundantly. Yes, so that in all things and at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every financial transaction. Is that what it's saying? You will abound in every materialistic pursuit. Is that what it's saying? No, you will abound in every what? Good work. God says, if you give to me, you will have an abundance of good work credited to your account. In fact, think about this prosperity gospel idea of you're going to get what you just, this giant Ponzi scheme that God has put together, you know. The, Jesus, did he have at all times everything he needed? Even on the cross, did he have everything he needed? Here's, here's the truth. Sometimes you don't need to breathe. Sometimes we don't need to live as Christians. 
In fact, this is something a church father um, by the name of um, Tertullian said, lived uh, just a couple hundred years after Jesus. I don't know if you realize that many, Augustine, Tertullian, some of the greatest leaders of the ancient church were African, born in Africa. And Tertullian said, the usual complaint is, I have no other way to make a living. And he was talking to people who, who before they accepted Jesus as their Savior, made idols. So they were silversmiths, or they worked in wood, and, and they carved idols, and it was quite a lucrative business, you know, making gods. I mean, what price can you put on that? But what happens when they accept Christ as their Savior? They say, you know what? Are you telling me I have to stop working? It's the only way I can make a living. He said, the, the, the usual reply is, I have no other way to live. He said, the harsh response is, why do you have to live? Because many around Tertullian who stood for Christ were dying for Christ. And he said, you know, you will abound in every good work. And it doesn't mean you won't be hungry. And it doesn't mean you, you won't ha have, have difficulties. And, and, and this is not a financial, these verses, this is not a financial promise to you. Okay? It, it's a promise about eternal impact. In fact, one of the ways I have applied this in my life um, is sometimes I hesitate to give now because it means I'll have less to give later. I don't know how many of you struggle with this, but I do. Um, recently, uh, for, this, for this offering, um, so a year and a half ago, I had some extra money because the government was handing it out. <laughs> and so I took that money and I bought Exxon stock. It's over doubled, including dividends. And, and so I, I thought for this offering, I can give Exxon stock, but what if I wait two more years for, for when, for when we're going to, you know, launch a new campus, maybe out of Montrose or, or do something that I might get even more excited about. I won't have that money. And, you know, if I wait two years, maybe that money will grow even more. Maybe it'll double again. And what an incredible gift I could give in two years. And what he's saying here is, you know what? God is able to bless you abundantly, that you, you will abound in every good work. You don't have to worry about, if I give now, will I not be able to give later? It, he will take care of it because the use all throughout these verses are all in plural. This is not a promise that God is giving to an individual, to you as a single person. This is a promise he is giving to a community, to you as a group. And so, yeah, maybe God will bless me and in two years I'll be able to give the same amount or maybe he won't. But God, he, he will allow us, we, to be able to abound in every good work when we're generous now. And, and so that's, that's what it's saying. Um, uh, this is an interesting man. Um, his name is Chuck Feeney. Any of you know Chuck Feeney? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah, he lives in San Francisco in an apartment. He doesn't own a home. Um, Chuck Feeney made a lot of money um, when he was a young man, and 
up into his 50s. At 53, he decided he was going to give it all away. That was 1984. And uh, so he started giving it away, and he did it secretly. You know, some of these rich people, they, they hire, a, you know, they, they call the newspaper and they say, I'm going to give away 99% of my wealth when I die. Let me give you a clue. You're going to give away 100% of your wealth when you die. I don't think that's particularly generous, you know. I don't know where that 1%'s going, but... Uh, you know, in fact, this is a great saying. You, you, can't, you can't take it with you, right? But you can send it on ahead. But you have to give it away. And uh, so, so I, I don't even know if this guy's a Christian or not. I don't know anything really about him except what I read, what I saw in a YouTube video and read in an article um, about him. You can look him up. Chuck Feeney decided 1984 to start giving away everything he owned. It took him to 2016. By 2016, he accomplished that and had given away everything he owned. He lived simply. He, he had lots of, he was a businessman. He actually started the um, duty-free business. If you've ever flown, you're familiar with that business model. No taxes because they charge you like three times more than the stuff's worth, but you don't pay taxes. So anyway, so they, they made a bundle. By 2016, he had given it all away, unbeknownst to many of his friends and even others. Again, he did this secretly. $8 billion is what he'd given away. And again, he lives with his wife, 91 years old now, lives with his wife in an apartment. And um, in fact, the, the, the way I, I found him, and I watched, I clicked on a YouTube video, said 10 billionaires that lost it all. And most of them were crooks, Bernie Madoff kind of guys. Yeah, who were billionaires, and they were working with the mafia, or they did things underhandedly, and they got caught, and they lost it all. A couple of the guys were these bet-the-farm kind of guys, and they just leveraged and used debt, and they, like, bought, you know, made their billions that way, and then did it again and again, and eventually lost, and, and some of them, uh, you know, committed suicide, or were actually billions of dollars in debt. Um, from owning billions to, to owing billions and losing everything. And, and uh, the last one of the ten was Chuck Feeney. And I, I tell you what, what, what generosity does is it's making a trade. I'm trading stuff that I could have now for an eternal lasting impact. And I think Chuck saw that trade and he said, man, I know a deal and I see one. And uh, gave it away. So it goes on here. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Forever. I was talking to a man yesterday at a wedding down in Allentown. And he was a big financial, not a CFO, but one of these kind of something O people in a bank up in the New England area. He said it was the 32nd largest bank in the country. And um, so... And he said, we had a great business culture. You know, we, 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 took, we gave second chances, third chances, eighth chances to some of our employees. We bent over backwards for, for our customers. We really had this. And then M&T Bank bought us out. Because you're never too big, you know. And he said, and they just came in and they fired 90% of our employees and he said, and the customer service is awful, and now we're just this big corporate. And he says, and luckily I was old enough that I could retire. And he says, 
everything I worked for has been destroyed. And he says, I'm trying not to be bitter. So I build tables and stuff in my home. And uh, I said, you know what? I had a very wise pastor, Mark Stensey, tell me, we don't build churches, we build people. You know what? If, if 10 years from now there's no such thing as Bridgewater Church, it doesn't matter. Because my goal is not to build a church, it's to build into people's lives. People live forever. And I said, the people that you influenced and impacted at that bank will live forever, way longer than M&T Bank. And those people, that's what mattered. And maybe they'll go on to a different position and they'll remember that culture and they'll remember that grace and they'll remember that generosity and the second chances and, and, the, and the caring concern for customers. And they'll build something out of that because we don't build companies, we don't build churches, we build people. And, and that's what this is saying. If you're going to give to something, make sure it's something that's for eternity. You know, because that's, that's, where, that's where the biggest payoff is. That's that lasting impact. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Again, he's restating what he stated before, that lasting impact. And you don't have to be afraid that, well, if I give now, I won't be able to give later or, or maybe I should save up. Maybe there will be a better opportunity that comes along. He says, man, just give. Do both. Give now. And you don't have to worry about it. You can be able to give later. And, and the, the, the result is not more money, it's more righteousness. And so giving money away, number one, creates more lasting impact. And then number two, giving money away creates more joy. And we'll see that in these next verses. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It is true that it's better to give than to receive. And so there is an internal joy that you get when you give. But that's not what he's talking about. There will be more joy when you give, and that joy will be in others. And specifically here, what Paul is doing is he's taking up an offering for, for the church in Jerusalem that was going through particularly difficult famine and economic downturn. And so people all throughout the Roman Empire, in Italy, what is now Italy, in Greece, in Syria, in other places, um, they, were, they were taking up an offering, and then they sent messengers with it to Jerusalem to help you know, the, the masses of people that were just struggling financially. And so they never even knew who these people were, who gave to them. They just knew that they were brothers and sisters in Christ. And so their thanksgiving wasn't to the individuals. Their thanksgiving was to God. And, and that's why I think it's important to give in the name of Jesus Christ and to give in the name of our Heavenly Father and not to give in our own name. And so when we give, we need to give like in the name of Jesus so that Jesus is praised and I'm not praised. And maybe you give anonymously so Jesus is praised and, and you're not because that, that, and that's what happens there. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And so God is going to be praised. There's going to be so much more thanksgiving. There's going to be so much more joy 
when we open that other hand and give to others, um, we have a benevolence fund here at the church, and the deacons are in charge of disseminating that. And so when we hear of a need, um, a lot of times we, we try to cap it at about $500. And, and, and here's why we cap it at $500, because we cannot solve the financial problems of everybody in the church. We just can't. And even if we could, many times that would be unproductive because we learn a lot sometimes in the difficulties. And we learn lessons that we would never learn if it all just came easy. But $500 is enough to provoke joy. And $500 is enough to let someone know that your church family cares about you and they're behind you. And so, the, you know, the, there are, and again, people give to this benevolence fund. We have like, you know, in fact, sometimes we give to someone and they'll say, I'll pay you back. And the answer is no. No, that's not how it works. We don't do loans here as a church. We do giving. If you want to pay this back, give it to somebody else, right? Pay it forward. And, and, and so it's just, it's just, and it's just fun to do that. I wish all of you could be on the deacon board, like, and, and, and get the thank you notes and, 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 just, and just see that thanksgiving to God that's done. In fact, I, I know people in this church that have given away car, a car, you know, and, and, and the, the, the thanksgiving that comes back from that. I mean, it's like the, the, the joy, like the person who gave the car, they have this joy. The person who got the car got the joy. Side, people on the sideline like me, I got joy just watching the whole thing happen, right? I mean, and that, that joy just multiplies through our generosity. And when when we, we let go, um, giving money, those three things. So creates more lasting impact, creates more joy in others, and creates more prayer for you. He says, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. They don't even know their names. They couldn't know their names. These are people thousands of miles away in Jerusalem that are getting an anonymous gift from somebody in Corinth, but who knows their names? God knows their names. And so as they pray, God, for that anonymous person in that Greek city of Corinth or Ephesus or in, 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 in Rome right now, God, I just thank you. God, I ask you, you bless them for their generosity. Do you want more people praying for you? I need it. Looking out, some of you really need it too. <laughs> just, you know. And, and more prayer. Who doesn't want more prayer? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Uh, Paul closes this out with a reflection on Jesus Christ. That is the indescribable, his, God's indescribable gift. When, when we're generous to others, we need to remember who modeled that first and why we can be so generous to others because God was first so generous to us by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, to give his life. And, and what an indescribable gift and and and. Our generosity and response is just that reflection of who Jesus is. Yesterday, Glenn Smith, uh, we did the memorial service for him here. Um, well, at, at Regan's, and then we had a dinner here. And one of the things I said, and I didn't know Glenn real well because he's kind of a quiet guy, but he was a funny guy, he was a wise guy, and he was a generous guy. Some of his grandkids would talk about they'd come by to see him, and, you know, when they'd get to go, maybe even days later, they'd open their glove compartment, there'd be cash in their glove compartment, you know. 
Or they'd go back to their car and somehow he'd filled up their car with gas. You know, and just little quiet things. I remember there used to be in October, it was Pastor's Appreciation Month, they used to do a table of food for all the pastors. And he would bring in all these potatoes, like 20 pounds of potatoes. And I thought it was from his farm. But apparently he didn't farm potatoes, he just liked them. So he bought them at the store and brought them in and, you know, because he loved potatoes, so he gave me potatoes, you know. It just, and uh, God's the ultimate judge, but God may look less like me and more like Glenn Smith. You know, and the truth is, Jesus Christ's reflection in us, there's more than one way that, that God, that God's image can be shown. And he wants you to show it in your unique way and in, in your unique gifts and with your unique whatever you have. Um, and so I just want to close this generosity thing. Um, some of you, maybe this whole time, you're thinking, man, I'm so glad I'm off the hook. I don't have to give money because I give my time. And I would disagree with that. Um, I think we're supposed to give time and resources. In fact, flip it around. Do you think it's okay for someone to say, I don't need to do anything for God because I write a check. You think, you think that's the right way to live? You know, and the truth is we're all blessed in different ways. I just want to challenge you again. Take your next step, whichever uh, of these steps maybe that might be. And again, if, if you know of a, a, better, um, a better ministry, a better investment than Bridgewater, by all means, give to it. And, and this will take a plan to, to give 100-acre kind of gifts. You can't just think, oh, I'll just write a check today. Right? You have to maybe plan to get out of debt. And there's margin in all of our lives. I mean, I think if I were to ask for a raise of hands and say, how many of you drink something other than water? We would all raise our hands. Right? And there, there's, there's margin somewhere. I mean, to support... An FH uh, kid for $38 a month, that's probably, if you go out to eat once a month, that's probably it right there. You know, if you get a coffee, you know, once a week, that might be it right there, you know, or two coffees a day, you know, you know a week. I, um, and so I think there's margin. And, and um, I, the, the biggest thing, takeaway, greatest joy doesn't come from piling money. Greatest joy, joy doesn't come from, from uh, spending money. The greatest joy comes from giving it away. And uh, if there's one thing you can take away from this is one of my motivations in preaching this message is FOMO. I want you to understand there's a fear of missing out here. You are missing out if you're not being generous. And maybe you got to just knock down that debt. I'm so proud there's a couple in the church who went through Financial Peace University and the, I'm in the text messages for that and, and they're like, we paid off our first credit card. We paid off, was it three? Two or three, we paid off our last credit card. We're working now on the, and they're just, they're just nailing it away. Why? Because long term, their goal is so that they can be generous. So they don't plant quarter acre gardens. They want to plant 100 acre farms and see an enlarged harvest of righteousness. And, and that's what I want for all of you. Don't miss out on what God wants for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Um, 
for your generosity to us. I just thank you for blessing all of us way beyond what we need. And um, God, just thank you for this country with the opportunity that's available here. And Lord, I know there's, there's people that are struggling financially right now. And God, I just ask that you'd open our eyes to them so that those who have more can help those who have less. God, I ask that you'd open our eyes to, to, to how to live wisely so that we